Today is the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost. The epistle for the Mass today is taken from St. Paul's Epistle to the Philippians, chapter 1. Brethren, we are confident in the Lord Jesus, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perfect it unto the day of Christ Jesus. As it is meet for me to think this for you all, for that I have you in my heart, and that in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my joy. For God is my witness, how I long after you all in the love of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your charity may more and more abound in knowledge and in all understanding, that you may approve the better things, that you may be sincere and without offense unto the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of justice, through Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. And the Holy Gospel. It's taken from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 22. At that time, the Pharisees went and consulted among themselves how to ensnare Jesus in his speech. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art a true speaker, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou dost not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what dost thou think? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their wickedness, said, Why do you tempt me, ye hypocrites? Show me the coin of the tribute. And they offered him a penny. And Jesus saith to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They say to him, Caesar's. Then he saith to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Thus far the words of the Holy Gospel. Brethren, see how you walk circumspectly, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time. These words are taken from St. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 5. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear friends, there is recorded in the annals of the Dominican order in Spain an account of a pious and holy friendship between a certain Dominican religious brother and a certain Franciscan religious brother. When permitted by their superiors, they would visit one another and they would often speak about holy things. On one such occasion, they were speaking about eternity. And as they did, they promised each other that if God permitted, the first who died would return and then appear to the other to give him some salutary advice concerning eternity. Well, sometime after this, the Franciscan brother died. And one day, while the Dominican brother was preparing the dining room for the meal, his friend, the Franciscan brother, appeared to him. He greeted his Dominican friend warmly, and he told him that while he was indeed among the saved, Still, before he could be admitted to the enjoyment of eternal happiness, there remained some expiation 
for a certain number of sins and faults he had committed in life. And then to convince his friend of the truth of what he said, the Franciscan brother cried out, Nothing on earth can give you the slightest idea of the sufferings which I now endure and of which God permits me to give you a visible proof. And as he said these words, he laid his right hand upon the wooden table in the dining room. And there was impressed upon that table a charred imprint of his hand, as though it had been applied with a red-hot iron. For years after this, many people, both believers and unbelievers, would go to see the charred handprint in the burned table. And according to the author of the history of this event, the table was well preserved, but eventually it was destroyed like many other religious memorials during the revolutions of the 19th century. Now, as some of you may know, the church dedicates the entire month of November to the holy souls in purgatory. She does this to encourage us to pray and to sacrifice for the faithful departed, as well as to remind us of the reality of purgatory. The existence of purgatory, my dear friends, is a truth which has been divinely revealed by God and infallibly taught by the church. The church teaches that those who die with venial sin upon their soul or with a debt of temporal punishment go to a place called purgatory. As to the location of purgatory, Almighty God has not revealed it. But St. Robert Bellarmine, a great doctor of the church, says that it is the common opinion of theologians that purgatory is located somewhere in the center of the earth. It was created by God as a place of purification. You see, according to St. Thomas Aquinas, the sanctity and holiness of God demands that only souls completely purified may receive the beatific vision. And this means that one must love God perfectly to enter heaven and to see God face to face. And thus, souls who do not die in the perfect love of God, but who die with venial sin on their souls or with some temporal punishment unsatisfied, they must enter the sanctifying and purifying flames of purgatory. You could look at it this way. Our souls are kind of like blackboards or chalkboards. After baptism, they are perfectly clean. But when we sin, we write on them as we would write on a blackboard in the classroom. When we go to confession, Almighty God erases the writing but there is still some dust left on the board. And that dust has to be removed for us to enter heaven. And it is removed either in this life, by enduring the pains of this life, or it is removed in purgatory. Now, according to the fathers and doctors of the church, there is in purgatory, as in hell, a double pain the pain of loss 
and the pain of sense. The pain of loss in purgatory consists in being deprived for a time of the beatific vision. But in purgatory, this pain of loss is accompanied by a loving resignation to God's will and a certainty of eternal salvation. In purgatory, the soul knows that he will be in heaven one day. Whereas in hell, the pain of loss is accompanied by unspeakable sadness and despair because that soul knows that he will never see God. Souls in purgatory are thus conscious of the fact that they are children of God and that they are heirs to heaven and that one day they will be united with God in heaven. And it is this longing, this temporary separation from God that makes their pain so much the more. We might even say that the pain of loss in purgatory is like the loss of a little child from his mother. The child feels as though he will never find his mother, but at the same time, he does not give up hope. The pain of sense, on the other hand, is, according to theologians, caused by fire and other types of sensible suffering. St. Gregory the Great tells us that the same fire which torments the damned in hell purifies the saved in purgatory. And thus theologians are of the opinion that it is the same fire that burns in both places. In hell, the fire burns to punish. In purgatory, it burns to purify. And the severity of the pain of sense in purgatory is proportioned to the nature, the gravity, and the number of the sins committed. So if we die with the great debt of temporal punishment, we will endure sufferings equal to that debt. If we have less to suffer for, less punishment in purgatory, our purgatory will be less in suffering. But no matter how severe or light the sufferings in purgatory may be, theologians and doctors of the church agree that the sufferings in this world are nothing to be compared with purgatory. It must be held as certain, writes St. Robert Bellarmine, that there is no proportion between the sufferings of this life and those in purgatory. And St. Thomas Aquinas said that the least pain in purgatory surpasses all the sufferings of this life, whatsoever they may be. And as that Franciscan brother who was suffering in purgatory said to his Dominican friend, nothing on earth can give you the slightest idea of what I suffer in purgatory. And the visible proof that God allowed him to give his friend was the charred handprint in the table. Let us then not be mistaken. The sufferings in purgatory are far worse than anything we can endure in this world. The greatest pain we can suffer here, whether it be physical pain, mental anguish, sorrow, whatever, 
the greatest pain we can suffer here is less than the least pain we can suffer in purgatory. It's hard to imagine, but it's very true. Let us then walk circumspectly as St. Paul exhorts us. That is, let us live carefully, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time. In other words, let us use the time we have here on earth to expiate, to pay the debts of temporal punishment due to our sins now so that we may avoid the cleansing flames of purgatory. You know, the thought of purgatory should actually inspire us to thank God for the crosses we have in this life. For by embracing these crosses with generosity and love, the little sicknesses, the bodily aches, the unkindness and even cruelties from others, or when things just don't go the way we would want them to go, by embracing these things, we do our purgatory here, and we expiate now in this life the price of our sins and the punishment due to them. And even if we can't avoid purgatory altogether, we can at least considerably shorten its duration. Let us then not be like some Catholics who live their lives here with the intention of going to purgatory. They do not strive to love God with their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. They do not strive for heaven. They strive to do the minimum so that they can go to purgatory and kind of slip in the door to heaven. And they do this because they want to go along with the world and have their fill of it and then still have a place in the next life. But I fear that those who act in such a way might not even make it to purgatory. We must strive for heaven. If you aim for heaven and you miss low, you'll make it to purgatory. But if you aim for purgatory and you miss low, you'll lose your soul. Aim for heaven. Strive to love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't settle for purgatory. Aim high. Aim for heaven. Practice that charity. Practice that patience towards your neighbor. Receive the sacraments often and avoid the occasions of mortal sin. And be devoted to our Blessed Mother, praying her rosary daily, wearing her scapular devoutly. If we strive to do these things, my dear friends, and we redeem the time we have left on this earth to pay our debts of temporal punishment, we can have the greatest confidence in the love and mercy of the Sacred Heart. We believe in him, and we know that he is never outdone in generosity nor does he ever abandon his friends in their need. And we, my dear friends, we are his friends. If we take up our crosses daily for him, as he took up his cross for us. God bless you.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.